Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. M-A-I-N-M-E-N-U Main Menu Main Menu Main Menu Hi everyone, and welcome to Main Menu for the 22nd of June, 2018. This is your co-host, Jason Castanguay. This week, our theme on the show is IC, and you'll see why. We start out with a company called IC Music. They are debuting a lot of their services on the 19th of July. Byron Harden is our guest, and he'll tell us all about it. Then, we cool off and get a little icy. Compliments of Randy Rusnak and Bill Tillery. Happy listening! Hello, Main Menu listeners. This is your co-host, Jason Castanguay, and we're here to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart, and that is music and audio engineering. Our guest today is director and owner of IC Music, Byron Harden. Hi there, Byron. Hey, Jason. How you doing? Doing great. Great to have you with us. Well, uh, yeah, I'm uh, honored to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. So tell us, what is IC Music? IC Music is a company that was created back in uh, 2013 with the premise of uh, diversity and inclusion as it pertains to audio industry. And that is for the uh, uniquely abled. And when, when I say uniquely abled, I'm talking about the visually impaired community, participating vocationally, educationally, and from a novice standpoint, too, as well uh, in this particular industry. So it sounds like this is a pretty broad range, at least as far as I know. There are several different approaches to getting things recorded, um, audio in general. So this covers a whole lot of that, I imagine. Absolutely. Yeah, we offer multiple programs and classes as it pertains to adaptive technology in the audio production realm. And so, you know, like one of the classes is a dog class. Well, a couple of the classes are dog classes, which is digital audio workstation. Mm-hmm. So we teach like navigating, for instance, Pro Tools. Uh, Avid is a company that we work with closely due to the level of accessibility within their product, uh, as well as Reaper. These are two, you know, workstations that blind individuals can uh, jump into two feet first and participate and compete and have fun, you know, and create. And that's a big deal. Um, We teach the navigating, the mixing. We also instruct on uh, things like the screen readers, the things that lead up to the actual production. So teaching the computer, uh, like I said before, what's the OS, depending on if it's Mac OS or Windows-based OSs. We also teach things that are the byproducts of those. So within the OSs, you know, you have other pieces of software like word processing softwares and yes. uh, uh, different bookkeeping softwares and things like that. Um, as, as you know, I mentioned earlier about the vocational direction that we take. You know, individuals who pursue this as their vocation, nine times out of 10 are pursuing it in a self-employed direction, you know, as entrepreneurs starting their own businesses and, and, and being 1099, you know, subcontractors for post-production houses and, and whatever else is available. Yeah, we have a myriad of uh, 
courses that we offer all the way from the screen reader to pre-production to post-production as well. That's wonderful. It sounds very well-rounded. I like that it covers, you know, some of those other basics that one might not think about right away, like the word processing and the bookkeeping. Well, Jason, I think the main thing for us is, is that, you know, when piecing together this training, it came out of a need for a means to the next step and not a means to the end. Uh, when rehabbing blind individuals, what generally ends up happening is it's a means to the end. Uh, you go somewhere, you get trained, and people are expecting a successful outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a lot of post-support uh, and re- additional resources that need to come with an individual success. You know, and, uh, and so we believe wholeheartedly uh, the culture of IC music is that, you know, with our post support groups that we have from, you know, previous graduates of the program, as well also materials and, and then, you know, and then opportunities too as well. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. One of the things that struck me when I was reading through some of your materials is your core principles. And I think that fits right in with what you're saying, the, the confidence, the independence, Yes. Yeah. Technological advancement. Uh, yeah. Self-confidence, um, opportunities and equality. We look at these five principles in, in a manner like it is our guide to a person's success. Right. So individuals who are, like I say, interested in I don't care what it is, as long as it's audio industry related, we can help achieve that. Those five principles also mainly lead us to persons who are not only are excited to be in a driver's seat, but now can competitively be in a driver's seat. Yes. And, uh, and, and, and that's everything, you know, I mean, you know, music and art is, you know, one of the seven pillars of society. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that being the case, I mean, it's, it's incredibly important to a society. And for now, for individuals who can't see to participate fully in that, it's just an awesome initiative. It's amazing to see what, what these individuals do on a daily basis. Mm, wow. I love it. And one of the things I love, too, is that it's not exclusive to those with visual impairment. You are including the sighted community as well. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Like I let off with this diversity and inclusion for us, right? Yes. We're training fully capable, able-bodied individuals, those who don't have an impairment, uh, a visual impairment. Um, we're training those with a slight visual impairment. They just take a little different. This training is customized uh, in a sense that when a person comes in, we perform what we call a, a, a pie evaluation on them, which is a participant intake evaluation. And on that evaluation is pretty much their goals, you know, the experience, past experience, you know, their their technology experience, that whole kind of thing. Not only goals, but milestones of what they see themselves being in five years and 10 years and things like that. With these milestones and goals that need to be met, not only with the actual learner, but we also team up with if they're being sponsored by their vocational uh, rehabilitation agency, we also meet with the counselors too as well. So it's super comprehensive in that manner. 
And what I mean by that is, is, you know, we have to be able to set a person up to a point to where uh, we make them responsible for their success. You know, we need to let go, take the training wheels off at a certain point in time. And, uh, and so if they can go no hands, if they can go no training wheels, that'd be great. They crash into a wall. That's okay too. We're generally there for the first two or three walls they hit uh, Mm -hmm. after that to kind of on their own. Mm -hmm. Um, But getting back to the customized training, it's such a vast industries, so many different directions that a person can go. They generally end up choosing multiple directions, you know, by the time they leave the program. And <laughs> what's, what's interesting about that is, is, is it's, it's a very good thing because it's really unique to this industry as it is today. You know, I mean, if you're going to be in the audio industry and you want to be employed in that industry, you definitely have to be ready to accept multiple uh, revenue streams just to make a living. Yeah, makes sense. Now that you've told us about the training and the things that IC Music does, I'm curious, how is the training executed? What are you using? Very good question, Jason. This training exists in two formats. The first format is called the MPEP, which is M-P-E-P, which stands for Music Production and Engineering Program. Um, And that's for the blind. That is our hand-over-hand model that is normally anywhere between a 224 to 256 instructional hour program uh, that lasts for two months. And kind of the way that it's executed, uh, what happens is a person expresses interest uh, in being an operative in this industry. And, you know, say, man, do you have an active case with VR in your state? And they say no or yes. And depending on that, however, they decide that they want to pursue. Um, and I'm saying financially and with the tuition, they would go down that road and uh, start to talk about that. But then next after that comes the evaluation. And that intake evaluation for our MPEP program is a four-hour process. It's very detailed in the sense that you know, it really drills down to really see where a person is. Skill-wise, the drive, the determination of a person. Mm-hmm. And then next, after that, you know, we go through the do-si-do with the VR counselor. <laughs> and then they come through the program, VR flies them out. And or whoever's sponsoring them, the sponsor flies them out here. And they stay in a hotel. Training is Monday through Thursdays for eight hours a day but they're on grounds for nine hours a day. Um, We get two 15-minute breaks, one one one-hour break for lunch in the middle of the day. We leave Fridays open for any kind of additional training that may need to happen uh, if a person's not picking up due to the fast pace. And, you know, we try to use that Friday as a a day that that we could play catch-up, you know. Like I said before, it could be 224 or 256 instructional hours. Depending on those hours, that dictates how many modules. Um, so that's either six or seven modules. Okay. Um, after the second module, we generally hop into uh, an evaluation period. And uh, that's where we conference with the counselor, letting them know the growth and what's going on. Um, by this time, a person has gotten to a point where they kind of see 
um, really what they really want to do at the end of the day, really where their passion lies. Mm -hmm. um, and then once we hop into module three and four, after the completion of that, um, you know, mod module four being the software, the software in which they're being trained in. So it could be Reaper, could be uh, Logic, could be Pro Tools. Generally for us, it's been Pro Tools. After that, they're really amped, <laughs> you know, because now it's uh, second evaluation time. Um, we conference back with the counselor. This is without the involvement of the learner. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and so in those meetings is like there may be some type of subsequent equipment or audio gear that may need to be ordered um, due to the, you know, the switch in direction. And then next uh, we move over into modules five and six, which is where they're actually in the recording space. I'm recording here uh, at, at the IC Music Studio. And so they're on the HD rig with the C24 and it's sweat time. You're, you're in the hot box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're recording live bands for final projects and or whatever live instrumentation or, or vocals, you know, some have chosen to do poetry. Some have chosen to do, uh, you know, just a vocal session like rappers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and what happens is, is they're responsible for mixing that and preparing it for mastering and they do a quick mastering session and so they finalize the project and so now they have to transfer that project and all of its and all of its content uh, so the multi-track session back over to the client because what we do is we bring in a client from the area so we just use just somebody random that this person doesn't know you know that the learners they don't know so um, so that's why it's kind of a, a hot seat, you know, scenario. Sure. Um, so they complete the program. After that, we ship their equipment back to their home. Uh, by this time, they would have set up the equipment a few times, you know, probably about six times by this point. So once they get home, they can plug in. Yeah. And I didn't um, realize this is all hands-on. This is all the person being physically brought to the icing studios. And that's really cool. Yeah. Unless there's a seventh module, which is the DJ module. And then, you know, uh, we bring in our, our trainer for that, which is uh, Clarence Griffin. And he'll come in and they'll train for a week, which is 32 hours of instructional time on DJing. Yeah, so rocking the party. Some choose to use it within their production, which is fine. Or some just choose to just do DJ as a vocation. You know, it's a viable option. And that's our hand-over-hand -hand model. But then we have the virtual model, our virtual classes, which is being launched on July 19th. Oh. Very important day. Yes. Yeah, so that module is a synchronized training uh, that happens via Zoom. And in our accessible classes, we can train up to five people, which we call learners, per class. Um, and our sighted classes, if you will, in our non-accessible classes, we train up to 20 persons per class. Okay. So it's kind of, you know, it's all in, these are a little bit more uh, deeper in the techniques, the, you know, these classes, because obviously there's no hands-on there. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind, we also do hybrid training too. So we can bring a person in for a weekend and push them around on the hardware, shove them out the door, and they get back 
you know, to wherever they live or want to be and uh, or operating. And then we can finish up, you know, training from there. Yes. Which will be virtual. So, so th- th- there's a lot of options. And so tell us, why is July 19th important? July 19th at 9 a.m., we will be live streaming via Facebook. And we'll be shooting that link out pretty soon here from Access Chicago, which is uh, hosted by the mayor's office for persons with disabilities. And that's going to be at Navy Pier, which is at uh, 600 East Grand Avenue in Chicago, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And it's an expo of a bunch of different vendors that uh, come and showcase their technology, their services, and uh, products that they offer for those with unique abilities, whether they're physical, visual, mental, uh, hearing impaired, the whole nine. Wow. Now you'll be having several different sessions at this expo, right? Sure thing. We have four different sessions. We're actually flying in uh, Jason Descent, which is the trainer on our machine courses, complete control courses. And he's going to come in and he's going to demo, if you will, four episodes. And each episode is going to be roughly an hour. But the first one is going to be machine production uh, using the Native Instruments product machine and uh, complete control. And then next second episode, he's going to demonstrate film scoring as a blind individual. Oh, wow. He's going to score a three-minute film right there using Pro Tools, which, you know, thanks to Avid for uh, sponsoring us uh, on this event as well, being one of the sponsors on the event. And then thirdly, the third episode is going to be um, a session in Pro Tools, a recording session. And we're going to uh, have Nola Ade. She is an independent song singer-songwriter, uh, amazing artist, performer, and she's going to come in and she's going to record her lovely vocals for us. Uh, and Jason will be at the helm creating the music and recording the vocals. And that's going to be from the blind perspective as well. And then lastly, but not least, is the Apple product, uh, Logic Pro. So we'll be demonstrating that too as well. And that's going to be a pre-production uh, demonstration as well. Okay. If there are people that want to attend this expo, is there anything special they have to do? Or if they're just in the area, they just show up? The event is free. They do a great job. This is our second time at Access Anyone interested uh, definitely can uh, go to the IC Music Facebook and say, hey, look, I'm interested and uh, I like what you guys are doing. You can also go to our contact page on the IC Music website, which is www.icmusic.org. We are a for-profit, so .org. Don't mistake it for a uh, 501c3 or some type of non-for-profit. We are for-profit. Uh, company. But once again, that is www.iseemusic.org. All of our social media, Instagrams, Twitters, uh, Facebook, you name it, it's all there on the page. Check it out. We have some pretty cool content there. All our courses are there as well. And you have a YouTube channel there too, I think. We do have a YouTube channel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to check that out. Yeah, um, there's an explainer video explaining the uh, process of the, uh, what, what the MPEP training consists. So okay. uh, 
but yeah, that's that's there, and and uh, and we're constantly. Um, it's still it's a new thing, um, but the, we're constantly refining and and adding too. So um, there'll always be new content coming there frequently. Terrific. Well, I hope you get lots of visitors to the expo. I I think it's a great program that people will want to know about because. I'm, there are lots of us who want to compose music and you know, do the audio engineering and may not really know how to get started or what kinds of equipment or accessible software is available. So, um, yeah, everybody check it out on July 19th. Well, sure, for sure. Please, please. You know, just a little bit about that. I think one of the main points here, one of the cool points about the virtual training uh, is, is that it has taken the tuition from roughly $25,000 down to less than $1,000. Mm. You know, technology, in economics, they call it creative destruction. <laughs> you know, it, it'll knock out one or two jobs, but it will create, you know, 50 jobs. And that's the same thing, you know, innovation, creation, that whole kind of thing is truly what we um, have embraced kind of lowers the entry barrier, the, the virtual classes. I mean, a thousand percent, man. I mean, one of the bigger things that we looked at with this programming was the financial piece. It is a very, very, very overhead intensive, um, and I'm speaking of the MPEP portion of it, the hand over hand model. Yes. Um, you know, it takes nine employees to train one person. So to have access to that person for basically seven days a week to that personnel, you know, it's, it's not a cheap thing. Um, but in the virtual sense, you know, you knock out quite a bit of that and you start to add in some things, but then you kind of lose some things on the other side of it too, as well, you know, which is okay. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, in, in growing as a company, uh, and as a training, I'm telling you, we got some cool things coming up, you know, to even aid and try to plug the hole, if you will, plug the gap, you know, fill the gap uh, with any missing moving parts, you know, that a person may have gotten face to face or hand over hand as opposed to the virtual. Mm -hmm. One thing I did want to mention and I kind of forgot about, um, we're also in talks with some adaptive technologists and we're moving into um, and this is more from a novice standpoint, but we're kind of moving into training the deafblind community as well. Wow. Um, and that, that's been a heck of a, an initiative. You know, people say, Byron, well, you, you haven't even got the blind community up and, up and going good yet. <laughs> like, man, but, you know, it's, it, you know, it's kind of the way my brain works, you know, in the sense that I really want everybody to partake. You know, if, if they want to, if, if you have a desire to jump out of bed and go create or, you know, go be technical, then please do so. And, and if we can aid in that, no matter if you're deafblind or, you know, if you only got, if you're using blowship technology, it, it doesn't matter. You know, you, you should have access. And uh, that's been a, a real mantra that I, I've been carrying that stick for quite some time. And. It's stressful for some reasons, but it's a good stress, though. Mm -hmm. Well, and it really highlights your inclusive nature and, and attitude. And I think that is so cool that it, it's far-reaching. It, it's not just one community or another. 
Oh, yeah. We're definitely crossing into these communities, just making these things commingle in the, in the sense that persons can... Uh, I think when you have, when you have that diversity and inclusion, I, I think you have brilliant ideas and real competition, innovation. I keep saying that word, but it's just the best word. It just covers it all when you start talking about diversity and inclusion. Yes. I'm excited. I'm excited. I can imagine. I'm excited for you and with you, and and I cannot wait to be listening to that live stream. uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, that's going to be, uh, oh my God, man, that's going to be something else. Just the, in the preparation of it alone. Is, I think one of the things I, I've had to learn since 2013 is delegation, you know, mm. uh, to be able to release and relinquish <laughs> some control, you know, and yeah. really trust in, in his staff. The staff that trains, you know, our trainers and, you know, the admins and drivers and cleaning staff and stuff like that, you know, I really have to trust that they have it together. Training for us, we have Derek Lane, Clarence Griffin, I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. uh, Kevin Reeves, Ah. Tor Smith. Uh, We have Mike Lockett, Jean-Luca Aplau, I believe is how you pronounce the last name. Yep. And, uh, and when he hears this, he'll probably say, oh, no, no, no. And then, you know, last but not least, uh, Jason Dasson. That's in the accessible realm. And, and we have two more trainers, actually three more. One that's on the actual site right now, his name is Virgil Hawkins. And he is super amazing. As a matter of fact, he, he, he does more than just train. He uh, builds systems, builds uh, computer systems, you know, uh, high functioning systems that, uh, you know, are geared towards that are geared towards a little bit higher end production, creating and writing movies and shooting movies and editing movies and all that kind of stuff. So really powerful stuff. So Mm. Um, so with those instructors in place, I mean, it's a star studded cast. You know, IC music does not exist without these gentlemen. Mm. They are, I'm, I'm telling you, man, unbelievable. Um, and the ones that are the accessible trainers, they're all blind. And they all do this for a living as far as whatever it is that they're training you on, that they do it for a living. Wow. Uh, yep. And so what, what better way than get it from the horse's mouth? I mean, you're talking about guys who have struggled uh, when there was no accessibility, you know? mm. there were no, you know, impact programming. There was no virtual class programming, you know. And so now it's kind of like pushing a silver platter up to a person and saying, hey, look, here are your options or multiple silver platters and saying, which one do we go with? You know, and so, and so it's kind of a cool world we live in now. Mm-hmm. Yes, technology and advancement has brought us quite a ways from where we were. Sure thing. Sure. Oh, sure thing. Definitely, definitely. Mm. Well, thank you, Byron, for your time and telling us all about IC Music. This is very exciting, and I look forward to seeing the evolution and the progression and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll say, you know, once again, you know, the website is uh, www.icmusic.org. On the site, it does say the scheduling of the classes, 
uh, you could just give that phone number uh, a jingle, which is 312-810-1001, 312-810-1001. And that line will either ring me or someone, uh, generally me, and, you know, and talk about courses and, you know, what may work for you and what may not work for you and all that kind of good stuff. And why wouldn't it work for you and all that kind of good stuff. But yeah, 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 I'm excited. Once again, thanks for uh, putting the spotlight on us. You're very welcome. Hey, everybody, Jason here. And with me is Randy Rusnak. Now, Randy, Janine had a very interesting idea for a different kind of segment on the show. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, there's this podcast that uh, has recently surfaced, and uh, there's a couple of guys that uh, you may have heard of, and uh, their segments deal with how to stay cool in the summer. I mean, let's face it, we're all here pretty cool, but uh, you want to be cooler? Oh, I know I do. Okay. Well, there's a couple of guys here that are going to show you how to be cooler in the summer months, and it's all about ice makers for your home. How about uh, airing that segment? Let's get right to it. Well, hello, everyone. This is Bill Tillery, and it's a little afternoon on February the 28th, 2018. I'm on the Gulf Coast, where it's currently 75 degrees air temperature with a humidity of about 80% and a dew point of about 69%, so it's very humid. We're looking for some rain today. But I'm going to take some time to describe for you and demonstrate to some degree, the Cook's Essentials K45546 portable home ice maker. Of course, as in any product that uh, we seek to use as blind people, we would like to find those things that are accessible. And first of all, I'd like to thank my good friend Randy Rusnick for telling me about this product. I had been looking for portable ice maker in the past but everything I was looking for was in the $600 range and was really considered ice shavers. This unit uh, is stainless steel and it comes in stainless steel or red. You can get it from QVC. There are a couple of others on the market, uh, but I chose the Cook's Essentials primarily because it does beep and give you some, some audible indicators of what the unit is doing and what you need to do to use it. I have already plugged it in. They rec recommend that you let it sit several hours when you receive it because it does have a compressor and therefore has refrigerant or freon in it. It needs to uh, equalize before you run the unit. It also has a fan in it, so it requires some space around the sides and the back of the unit for ventilation. They, re they request uh, that you leave at least five inches on both sides and the back for that purpose. It weighs a little over 20 pounds. It's um, approximately 12 and a half or 13 inches in length from front to back. It is tapered, so at the back it's about 13 inches, 13 and a half inches tall, down to about 11 and a half inches in the front. So it is contoured down because the top, of course, is where the, has the fill chamber and the operating buttons and LED lights. So these are things that uh, that we'll get to in just a minute. It requires 56 ounces or 1.7 liters of water. Now the front of it has a, um, a lift lid, and this is where you would get your ice when it's, when it's cycled through, but it's also the fill chamber. It has a basket inside where the ice is dropped into once it's, um, once it's frozen and dispensed into the unit. 
and the basket has a solid front and back. It has slots on both sides, left and right sides, and in the bottom. And it has finger holes at the top at, on the left and right sides for you to grasp it to lift out. This unit will make approximately 26 pounds of ice. It will make uh, seven to nine cubes every seven to nine minutes. You do have the option of two sizes, small and large, and I understand they're shaped like bullets. And they recommend if you're going to use um, ice for parties that maybe you use the smaller size. And if you're going to use it, say, for putting in a cooler to keep things cold, uh, where I am will be going to the beach, of course. You would um, use the larger size. Uh, while the unit does have a hold compartment, I will tell you it is not a storage compartment. It does not refrigerate the front of it, so you need to move the ice and either store it in ice bags or another cold um, area if you're not going to use it immediately. On the top, if you reach your hand toward the back, there's a panel that has LED lights that indicate the power, of course, and then you have the ice size, small and large. You have a water fill light that also beeps when the water is low. The unit also has a full basket LED light and alert tone. has two buttons just slightly in front of that in a little grid. It's an, uh, not quite square, it's more of an oval grid. There are two buttons. The left button is a power button. Uh, and while it is, is a soft button, it also, uh, you can feel it click, so you do know whether or not it's on, and of course it will beep. The right button is the select size button. Now, as I said, I've already plugged this unit in. I know that it cycled through its short test, indicating that it is ready to run. So I filled it up with water, and I'm going to press the on button now uh, to start the unit. Okay, now when it first comes up, you hear it beep, and you need to select your size. And I scanned the manual yesterday, and my understanding from the manual is when you first power it up, the select size light is blinking on small. And once you select that, then, all right, now I've selected um, and it should be a solid light indicating that it's the large ice cubes. Now, in order to start the cycle, you have to press the on-off button again, which I'm going to do now. The unit is clicking, has made several clicks, um, and it should take just a few minutes for it to start running. Still clicking. By the way, this has a rubber plug in the bottom of the reservoir, and it says if the pump does not work, you can remove the plug and release a few drops of water to get air out of the pump for the water to fill into the reservoir to cycle. And I hear nothing so far. Uh, there does appear to be a little water running into the unit just in the top tray. You also need to be very careful if you put your hands inside this unit when it's on because the um, the bars across the top become very cold and will actually burn you. So you need to stay away from that if you possibly can. There are several adjustments. My recommendation is if you, if you purchase this unit that you uh, either scan the, the manual yourself or see if there's one online. I have not checked for that. There's probably a user's guide and instruction manual online. 
All right, I am back and you can hear the unit is running now. I actually cycled through it again. Sometimes they say the first time you use the unit, you might have to cycle twice. So I pressed the power button to turn it back off, turned it back on, pressed my select ice size, went back and pressed the power button again. And in about 10 seconds, I could hear the water pump running. It was pumping water into the system. And now of course you hear the fan running on the unit itself and the compressor because it's begun its ice making, first ice making cycle. By the way, they recommend that the first ice cubes that um, are created from this device that you throw them out as you would any new ice maker, even if you have one in your refrigerator, you're supposed to do that because there are always chemicals inside the, the uh, tubing and um, the housings that um, the ice water picks up and you do not want to consume that. This uh, unit, as I said, makes seven to nine cubes every seven to nine minutes until it completes a full cycle. Will make up to 26 pounds of ice. The uh, I will tell you that it is not uncommon for the first two or three dispensations of ice uh, that are made to be of unusual shape and size because the unit is adjusting itself to the proper settings and I will be back later. And I'm back again. This unit has just now dispensed its first set of ice cubes. They're in the tray. They are somewhat wet. They do look like uh, large bullets. I chose a larger size and has just finished pumping water into the chamber to start the next cycle of making ice cubes. And as you can hear, it's um, running quite readily. It was a 120 volt, 60 cycle unit, has a three prong grounded plug on it for safety. Lots of nice features about this unit, I really do like. It also has a view window on the front of the top front of the unit on the lid itself. So if you have any sight at all or someone wants to stand and watch it make ice, you can actually view it without opening it, which is a nice feature. And I'm going to pause it and see what happens next. Okay, this unit has now dispensed ice twice. In each case, it did dispense nine cubes each time. As I said, they are very wet. The optimal operating temperature for this unit is 60 to 95 degrees Fahrenheit. Anything above or below that, uh, below or above that, I should say, since I started on the low side, uh, will cause reduced productivity and may even damage the machine at some point. So you need to think about placement very carefully. As I said, you're going to need about five inches on either side and the back. Uh, the condensing fan, if you're facing the unit, is on the right side and the grill work on it looks very similar to the power supply fan on a computer. The left side is just a uh, grill of, of open circles where it, it pulls the cool air or the air into the intake to make sure that the unit does not overheat. As I said, it does have a compressor in it and a fan. The, it comes with a, an ice scoop if you want to immediately start using ice after it dispenses. I'm not going to continue with this because I have really nothing else to say. It really does work very well. It's, as you can tell, it's, it's not very loud. Uh, it's a very good unit. Uh, the other thing I will say is uh, do not place it near another source of heat such as a, um, a stove or furnace or that type thing and do not use it in direct sunlight. You're also uh, risking um, 
re reduction in productivity as well as possible damage to the machine. That's really all I can tell you about this time. If you want more information, you can, of course, contact Cook's Essentials or QVC. Or, as I understand, the manufacturer's website is actually www.maxi-matic.com. And they do have some support numbers and customer service information there, as well as other information about their units. Hope this has helped. Have a lovely day. Well, hello, podcast listeners. This is Randy Rusnak speaking. And I, too, jumped on the bandwagon, and I have one of these ice makers, too. Now, originally, I heard about these ice makers from my good friend Scott Smith, who will be on this podcast at some time. And he introduced me to his ice machine, which is called an Igloo. So it's made by the Igloo brand. Mine just came today, and I'm speaking to you on March 5th. And got the box, and man, it's it was heavy. It's unpacked, it's set up, the water has been put in the reservoir. Of course, cleaned it first, the outside and the inside. The inside I just wiped with a damp paper towel. I must say, it's a heavy-duty machine. The brand name is called Think Gizmo. The model number is TG22. Inside you have a basket where the ice cubes drop in and then they give you a scoop. Everything was completely taped all around the machine. It was just it was literally sealed in this plastic substance and so you had to unplastic it <laughs> for lack of a better term and then uh, wash it off, opened it up because the top was sealed all the way around with this plastic stuff. And uh, open it up, and inside was the basket and the scoop. And I filled it up with water and closed it. Now, it has refrigerant in it, just like Bill's does. And so I was able to read the PDF manual that I downloaded from their site. And it said, let stand for two hours before plugging in and turning it on. It is just two hours now, and I'm going to plug it in, and then we are going to turn it on for the first time. All there are are two buttons on the machine, and the buttons are definitely buttons. They push in, they're square, they're tactile, they make noise, uh, all the things that you all would want to hear whether low vision blind or sighted i have figured out the button functions and how they work it's really very simple as i stated before the on button is on the bottom that's the power button the one on top is select you press the power button once you press the power button if you just leave it alone and don't do anything the machine will take on water and it will dispense medium cubes. If you hit the select button, which is on the top, it will switch to large cubes. If you hit it again, it will roll over to small cubes. Hit it again, it'll be medium cubes where you began. There is no 
sound indicator on this machine, so you just have to go by the number of presses. I would have thought it would have been the reverse, but it isn't. It's select and then power. The lid has been closed and I'm about ready to come in and plug it in. All right, now we're gonna hit the power button and I'm gonna put it by the machine so you can hear, here goes the power. Oh, it's already filling. The pump is just running, pumping water. And here it comes. There's the compressor. It's really quiet. To the left is a fan. Oh, now it's really going. Just like Bill said, it's got to be around a four-inch um, space between the wall and the fan. The fan is to the left on this one. We will come back. You've heard it. It ran out of water. So now I've got to go and empty the last bit of it into the uh, refrigerator freezer compartment. And I was gl glad to um, catch that for you guys. And there was a little relay click, and I'm assuming that was the light coming on. No audible signal, but when it stops totally running, you know you are out of water. <laughs> As I continue this demonstration, it's a quiet evening. And
that was a full, complete cycle of the machine. Now that it's quiet in the background, and you could hear the machine probably a little bit more clearly, but one thing um, that Bill and I were talking about is the ice machine reservoir is four quarts um, a gallon plus maybe another almost half so about one and a half gallons and we were talking about compressors and how the different ones worked his machine and mine it's so strange it's probably about 10 o'clock at night to have a new sound in the house a new ice making machine it's it's quiet it's really quiet but yet it's a new noise and you hear ice fall and you go what's that (laughs) i'm sure bill has found that to be true or you hear uh, a fan or a compressor that normally you don't hear although it's quiet it's new and you can kind of hear water circulating a little bit kind of a neat sound oh by the way uh the machine has been running since about 12 15 and uh, i'm speaking to you now oh about quarter to 10 in the evening and we have filled up the entire ice bin in the fridge and they fall through just fine the um bin that we have built into the fridge um actually is able to drop through the auger and crush the ice or dispense the ice just fine so uh, we're really uh, liking the ice maker a lot so those are just some more of my thoughts Hello again, everyone. Jason here. And I have a little extra time to talk to you about something I was urged to talk about a while back, and I'm finally getting to it. I got a hub at the end of last year. It's a very interesting thing. I have an older iMac, and we I say older in a gentle way, but relative to how quickly technology grows, this would be considered somewhat old from 2011. It has USB ports, but they're not quite up to par with the fastest USB. I think USB 3 was out at the time, but it was not included on this Mac. Also, I wanted to duplicate some of the other ports on the machine, just in case with audio or some other things that I wanted to do, I would have these extra ports. So let me tell you, this is called the Thunderbolt 2 Dock, and it's sold by Otherworld Computing, and their website is macsales.com that's m-a-c-s-a-l-e-s dot com i think it's amusing that their website is not otherworldcomputing.com but maybe that was already taken but anyway this thunderbolt 2 dock is available from them the thing that is interesting about thunderbolt 2 is that it is backwards compatible with thunderbolt 1 and this imac of mine has a thunderbolt 1 port which is also the mini display port. So I was thrilled to think that, oh wow, I can get this Thunderbolt 2 dock and it will still work. Thunderbolt 1 at its maximum is still much faster than USB 2.0 on this machine. So what this hub does is you plug it into your Thunderbolt 2 or Thunderbolt 1 port 
and this could be on either a Mac or PC, and you suddenly have all these other ports available to your machine. The device itself is about the size of, let's say you took two VHS cassettes and put them end to end, kind of like taking one VHS tape and making it longer by putting the second right next to it. So it's about that long, and there is a bit of heft to it. It sits on your desktop and plugs in using an AC power cord. A small end goes into the hub and then the other end plugs into the wall. And then you have another cord that goes from the hub to that Thunderbolt 1 or 2 port on your machine. On one of the shorter ends, you have two USB 3.0 ports which provide higher voltage for devices that need it, like iPads and other tablets or devices. Then, on the back side, there are three more USB 3.0 ports. Then we have an audio out and an audio in jack, so I can actually use another microphone or plug in some other headphones and use it as a separate sound device. Then there is a Firewire 800 port, and my Mac also has one of those. And there's an Ethernet port. There's a mini display port, so you're not losing the mini display port that you're taking up with the dock on your machine. And then the last port on it is an HDMI port. So that would allow you to connect a compatible television or monitor to your computer and receive the display information there. I have not used that port. But I wanted to talk to you about this hub because it just gives me so many more USB ports to use, and that is mostly why I have it. I really like it, though, and I like that it takes my somewhat older Mac and brings it into a more current setup. I have a solid-state drive that I can plug in via USB, and the speed is very fast. And with all these USB ports, I don't have to think about it anymore. I can just plug stuff in and have it work. Main Menu is brought to you by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. It airs every Friday evening beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream and repeats every four hours until 5 p.m. the following day. You can listen by going to acbradio.org mainstream, grab it as a podcast, use ACB Link for iOS, or call 712-775-4808. Comments and suggestions can be sent to mainmenu at acbradio.org, or you can find us on Twitter at mainmenu. Thank you so much for listening. Music